Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Sunday morning. Uh, Plenty of things to get into throughout the course of the show uh, tonight and really over the next couple nights. We will um, get to the championship games a little later on, give you our picks. Uh, Hopefully we'll talk about the Sixers uh, at some point, but we got to start in the obvious place. As the last time I was on the air was Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Um, and at that point, you know, we were wrapping up Doug Peterson Appreciation Day, and it seemed like the Eagles head coaching search had come down to two final final candidates. Josh McDaniels, Deuce Staley, and then the guy on the periphery that had interviewed on Wednesday uh, was Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts, which, you know, I didn't think too much of it. I thought, you know, this is the Eagles doing their due diligence. Um, I had no problem with the fact that they were interviewing a lot of people. I know people were, uh, some people were worked up about that. I have no problem with interviewing a lot of people. You might as well interview as many people as you can. Steal ideas um, from whatever candidate you bring in because, you know, candidates have to come with their best ideas and you can take them and take the information that you garner from this interview process and use it to your advantage later on. It's why when people are freaking out about the Eagles bringing in Kellen Moore for an interview, I'm like, bring in Kellen Moore smart. The Eagles aren't hiring Kellen Moore, but they want to bring him in to get intel on what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys. Like, that is a, a smart way to do business. And when the Eagles brought in Nick Sirianni, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, uh, you know, you're you're bringing in a guy who worked at the Indianapolis Colts. We've talked at length about the Colts and their connections to Carson Wentz through Frank Reich. And you bring in the Colts offensive coordinator. You kind of get a better idea of what they have done and how you can apply that to maybe uh, working with Carson Wentz if he is your quarterback next year. But... I didn't think Nick Sirianni was going to get this job. I didn't. I thought this was down to Josh McDaniels and Deuce Staley. That's what Howard had reported, which at the time I think was pretty much right. Um, 
I think the Sirianni thing kind of came out of nowhere. The reports are that he came in and blew the Eagles out of the water with his interview, and it kind of changed their line of thinking. But I didn't expect that the Eagles were actually going to hire him when they brought him in for an interview. Then, you know, I I go to sleep Thursday uh, after doing the overnight, wake up in the afternoon to reports that Nick Sirianni is indeed the Eagles' next head coach. And I'll just give you my, my instant reaction. I, I want to preface this with, I don't know much about Nick Sirianni, and I'm not going to claim to be an expert on the guy. Um, I hadn't heard about him till earlier this week. I didn't know who the Colts offensive coordinator was. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, I don't know much of, about him. I don't know if he is going to be a good head coach in this league. Uh, a little later, we'll play you a couple interviews. Jonathan Taylor, Colts rookie running back, joined Marks and Reese. Danny Woodhead uh, joined Marks and Reese as well. Used to play in the NFL. Played under Nick Sirianni in San Diego. I don't know if Nick Sirianni is going to be a good head coach in this league. He may very well be. And I will give him every opportunity as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach uh, to succeed. You know, I think every coach deserves that right coming in. Not to be judged right off the bat. Not to be, I guess, labeled a certain way right off the bat. I'm not going to say this guy is a puppet. We don't know that for a fact. Do I think the Eagles want somebody they can have somewhat of control over? Of course. You know, and I think that was the main turnoff for Jeffrey Lurie in terms of Josh McDaniels was that Josh McDaniels was going to come in here. He was going to demand certain things as far as say over personnel, say over the coaching staff. And I think after the Chip Kelly tenure and the way that ended, that that in some ways scares Jeffrey Lurie and scared him off in this regard. And I do think that plays into it with Nick Sirianni. And he might be a good coach in this league. And he might turn out to be a, a, a very successful head coach in Philadelphia. And I hope that he does. I truly do. I truly hope that this thing works out. And Nick Sirianni has a, a ton of success in Philadelphia. And my problem is not even necessarily with the hire. Because as I've said, I don't know much about Nick Sirianni and until we see him in action it, it, you can't just judge a, a guy before seeing him go to work but my problem is with the process and my problem is what this whole head coaching search has been about for the Philadelphia Eagles from the beginning and it really doesn't change anything it's really no different than what the organization's mindset and what the organization's structure has been over the last three years since the Eagles won in 2017. And it's what's best for Carson. Everything the Eagles do, that is the top priority. It's not what's best for the football team. It's not what's best for the organization. It's not what's best 
for the 53 guys in that locker room. It's what's best, or what they perceive is best. Because I don't know how this is going to work out, personally. But everything that the Eagles do is what is is centered around what is best for Carson Wentz. And, I mean, you know, you can call it a hot take. You can call it whatever you want. I knew this the second they fired Doug Peterson. Because Doug Peterson is a guy who has a track record of success in this league. Like, Doug Peterson has proven to be a good, quality NFL head coach that you have him in place five years, track record speaks for itself. Three straight playoff appearances. Super Bowl championship. Nearly got to a second NFC championship game. And when Doug Peterson was fired, we all know why Doug Peterson was fired. It wasn't because he had a bad season. Yeah, this was a bad season. There were things that needed to be corrected, but it was because the quarterback wanted him fired. I mean, the Eagles had intentions of bringing him back. He did a press conference the day after the final game of the year. What do you think changed in that week? What do you think uh, altered the plans of Doug Peterson remaining in Philadelphia? Carson Wentz went and talked to the front office. And said, it's him or me. And said, you know, I don't want to be back if Doug Peterson is back. Just like he did when he got benched and he ran to Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman then. And when the Eagles fired Doug Peterson, I knew what this whole head coaching search was about. It was about what is best for Carson Wentz. And regardless of what Nick Sirianni ends up being what he could end up being as a head coach in this league. This hire is alarming on a number of levels. Because my hope, and I think at this point um, it was a delusional hope, was that the Eagles would in some way see the error of their ways in terms of the dangers of empowering a single player to the degree that they have with Carson over the years, where he's difficult uh, to work with uh, within the confines of the Novacare complex. You can't coach him too hard or he'll get upset, and if you, you don't coach him hard enough, you get the results you get in 2020. But they didn't learn. And what this hire says to me, and, you know, Paul disagrees, and, if you know, people can, can disagree if, if, if you want. I just don't see how you don't see it the way that I'm seeing it. Like, the Eagles go out and they make a hire. And it just happens to be Frank Reich's offensive coordinator. Just, just uh, you know, it's such a coincidence that they go out and they get the assistant to the one guy who Carson Wentz has seemingly gotten along with over the years. The one guy who got the most out of Carson Wentz. Or, or the Eagles organization sees it as... Frank Wright getting the most out of Carson Wentz, which we'll explore in the next segment, this absurd idolization of, of Frank Reich within the, the, the Novacare complex. Frankie Lombardi, as I like to call him. But it is absurd that the Eagles would center their entire coaching search off of what is best 
for Carson Wentz. And that's exactly what they did here. And I'll let you play, I'll let you hear Adam Schefter right here. And here was Adam Schefter on ESPN talking about the Eagles' rationale in this head coaching search. I think because they started a little bit late firing Doug Peterson a week after some of the other coaches got fired, they were a little bit late to the process. And again, that meant that other coaches landed other jobs elsewhere before the Eagles could have all the options that they wanted. Still had plenty of options of plenty of good candidates out there. And ultimately, in the end, I think that they felt most comfortable with Nick Sirianni, who's worked under Frank Reich in Indianapolis and knows the Philadelphia system well. Nick Sirianni is somebody who's been groomed to be a head coach, now will take over in Philadelphia. They're hoping that Nick Sirianni can figure out a way to repair and save Carson Wentz rather than have to trade him away. That's what it's all about. That's what it's always been about, is what is best for Carson. Not what's best for the team, not what's best for the locker room, not what's best for the Eagles long-term moving forward, but it's what is best for Carson Wentz. And what's so troubling about this is, you know, as stories have come out since the season about Carson Wentz and the coddling and the catering this organization has done to him, to make him feel comfortable. Year after year after year, move after move after move, is made with Carson in mind first and foremost. Two words come to mind for me when I look at this hire. And it's confirmation and continuation. It's a confirmation that everything the Eagles do is with Carson as the top priority. I mean, I don't know how you can't see it that way. And it's a continuation of the coddling that we have seen over the last few years. And I hope Nick Sirianni is great. I hope Nick Sirianni does a good job with this football team. But what I do know, and I don't know if he's the right hire, I don't know if he's going to be a good coach or not. But what I do know is that this process was incredibly flawed. Because the Eagles never had the intention of doing what's best for their team. They always had the intention of doing what's best for Carson. It's why Doug Peterson's not here anymore. It's why Mike Groves fired last year. And it's why Nick Sirianni is here now. Because it's all about Carson Wentz. And as long as the Eagles continue to think that way, and as long as the Eagles continue to operate, under this delusion that that player from 2017 still exists, things are not going to end well. It doesn't matter how great a coach Nick Sirianni is. Can he make Carson Wentz better? I hope so. But that 2017 guy's never coming back. And as long as the Eagles continue to chase that player and continue to fool themselves into thinking that player can return to what he was, things are not going to go the way we all want them to go. And this process was a joke. This process was a disgrace. And again, I'll say this a billion times, it's nothing against Nick Sirianni. But the Eagles organization right now is an embarrassment. And the way they went about all of this 
to do what is best for Carson after everything that we have seen since the season ended, everything that has gone down, the fact that they are still catering to Carson Wentz is nothing short of disgraceful. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But I, I want to ask you to start the show. Do you disagree with my assessment here that this hire is solely about Carson Wentz? I, I honestly, I think anybody that, you know, doesn't see it that way it is kind of choosing to be naive and choosing not to see it that way. Because all the evidence is right there. That this was with Carson Wentz in mind and really nobody else in mind. And it's just a continuation and a confirmation of the way this organization has acted over the last couple of years. And apparently how they'll continue to act um, because Carson gets whatever Carson wants and whatever they think is best for Carson, they put over what's best for the football team. And just, you know, looking back at history, that's usually not the right way uh, to go about it uh, if you want to improve your team and if you want to make the right hire. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, when we get back, we will talk a little bit about the Eagles organization and how they view Frank Reich. Because I don't really understand why they hold Frank Reich in so much higher regard that they hold Doug Peterson. And they prioritized as well their respect over Frank Reich and what they think of Frank Reich as a coach over what they thought of Doug Peterson as a coach. So we'll get into that when we return as well. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Sunday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. As the Nick Sirianni era uh, gets ready to begin here, I I still don't know when the press conference is going to be. I'm assuming they'll wait a few days, maybe put a staff together first um, before Nick Sirianni talks to the assembled media, but he's got a difficult job coming in here. Um, he's coming into a situation where team has locker room issues, uh, you know, and that's uh, something he's going to have to work out and he's going to have to figure out how to, how to bridge that gap where, um, you know, we all know the locker room wasn't good at the end of last year. Uh, you got players um, for years have been coming out saying how much of a diva this quarterback is, how much they don't like him. Um, and now you're coming in as the guy who it's going to be perceived at least among some, if not all, in that locker room, that you're Carson's guy. And that's why you're replacing Doug Peterson, a coach that those players like. And that's not going to be an easy thing to move past. And for a first-time head coach, a young head coach, um, he's going to have to earn the respect of these players. In addition to this massive reclamation project of fixing the quarterback. And 
you know, I'll say it a billion times. I hope Nick Nick Sirianni works out. And the reports that you hear from people who have coached them, people who have played for him, are positive, as you'd expect, that he's a guy who's passionate about football, a football guy's guy, um, knows a lot about the game, came up in a, a coaching family, and that he has a lot of the qualities that you would look for in a head coach. But the way the organization went about this process was a disgrace. Because they weren't looking for the best head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. They were looking for the best head coach for Carson Wentz. And, I mean, anybody who doesn't see that, I think is just being willfully ignorant. You know, when they bring in Frank Reich's chief assistant, Frank Reich, who, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sure the Eagles, if they had a choice, they'd re- replace that statue of Doug Peterson with a, a statue of Frank Reich. Because as much as, um, you know, uh, the fans talk about Frank Reich, the Eagles obviously buy it. They think Frank Reich's some, some, sort, of, some sort of legend, some sort of god. Uh, the way they, uh, you know, go out and, and give him basically all the credit for what the Eagles did in 2017 and none to Doug. It's why they kicked Doug out the door and go get Frank Reich's uh, top lieutenant. But when you make these kind of organizational shifting decisions and you do it based on what's best for one player and not what's best for the team, you're asking for trouble. Especially when that player, I don't think he can be rebuilt. It's not just that Carson Wentz played terribly last year. It's not that his mechanics are a disaster. It's not that he's not the physically skilled player he used to be. It's also that he's in a locker room where a lot of those players clearly don't like him. A lot of those players clearly don't trust him. And I don't know how you could based on what he just did to the head coach that a lot of players in that organization loved and respected. So Nick Sirianni's got a hell of a job in front of him. And um, it's it. I don't think it's a very envious position, to be honest. To be the Carson Wentz guy coming into this locker room that obviously does not think very highly of Carson Wentz. Obviously played better and played harder when Jalen Hurts was inserted in the lineup. And now, you know, he's going to take on this job. He's going to take on this role. Um he might be a brilliant football mind, and he might be a great coach, but the optics of it aren't good. And the Eagles, once again, it's a confirmation and a continuation of everything we've seen over the last couple of years. It's always what's best for Carson. And that's what the Eagles did again here. And when you make decisions based off of one guy, not what's best for the organization or the team, it usually doesn't end well. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in Temple. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, Tom? Thanks for taking my call. I, I absolutely agree with you that they hired Nick Sirianni for Carson Wentz, but can you blame him? You signed that guy to a max contract, and you have him as an MVP season back in, what, 2017? Listen, honestly, all three years ago, Mike. Absolutely, absolutely. But just like Doug Peterson three years ago when he had Frank Wright. So, like, as much as you want to respect Doug Peterson, the play calling last year was absolutely god-awful. We might as well fed Miles Sanders the ball 30 times a game, and we didn't. 
So, like, getting dug out of Philly wasn't a problem for me, and catering to Carson Wentz's needs not a problem. You got, you got dogs on the defensive side like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham who love Carson Wentz. I, get, I, I understand. Alshon Jeffrey is one of my favorite uh, receivers I've seen since P.O., but he didn't like Carson Wentz, and he's got to go. He's slow. He's, he's, he doesn't have game. But I'm telling you, give Carson Wentz a chance. Let him be more mobile because guess what? We do have a good backup quarterback just in case he gets injured. And Hurts is not the solution. You can't just plug Hurts in and be like, oh, let's get it. But we can, yeah. we can draft Devontae Smith. Right, but but Mike, my question for you, like, did you watch Carson play last year? You say if Carson gets hurt, he was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. You think that's all play calling? You think that's all? And by the way, did you see the reports about Carson changing the plays of the line basically because he didn't like them? Like, you don't put any of the responsibility on Carson for the way he played last year? Um, I want to I, I want to put a lot of lot of the responsibility on Carson, but when, like you said, when you have fifty percent of the locker room who doesn't agree with you, that's definitely a bigger problem than just the quarterback position. And like I want to I want to stance on Miles Sanders because we have one of the best running backs in the league, and he was getting thirteen carries a game. And no mind that makes no sense. No good football team's going to get uh, uh get a win when you have the one of the best running backs in the league getting thirteen carries a game. Like I know you agree with me on that one. Well, Mike, I mean, Doug called plays and Carson audibled out of them. I mean, how do we know that Doug wasn't calling run plays and Carson was checking passes? This is not me theorizing. These are things that have been reported. I mean, Tom, you're you're absolutely right. But as long as you say, but you can't have a you can't have what did Carson Wentz go eleven and three that one season before he got injured, and then and then you you just don't forget that style of play. Look at Aaron Rodgers. All it takes is one wide receiver. We get Devontae Smith. He's the next. He's the next. What do you call it? Um, uh, Devontae Adams. You know what I'm saying? As long as we have one guy who clicks with our quarterback, we will be fine. I got you, Mike. I I appreciate the call, but this is and you know I. I this is the delusion that the Eagles organization is suffering from. I appreciate Mike's opinion. Uh, appreciate his call. Would love to hear from him again. I, but I, I couldn't disagree anymore. That, you know, and it's what the Eagles organization has bought into. And it's what so many people in this city have bought into with Carson Wentz. That it's never his fault. It's always, it's got to be somebody else. It just has to be somebody else. It has to be the receivers, you know, not doing the right thing. So the receiver's not playing hard for him. It has to be the offensive line, even though the Eagles, when they did the research themselves, came to the conclusion at the bye week that Carson Wentz was responsible for two-thirds of the sacks that were surrendered in the first eight, nine games, whatever it was of the season. And it is, the, and you heard Mike mention it. How many times? 2017. You don't just forget that level of play. It was 11 and 3 in 2017. Who gives a damn? 2017 was ages ago. Carson Wentz wasn't there for the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson was there for the playoffs in the Super Bowl. 2018. This team wasn't good in 2018 until Carson Wentz went out. Then Nick Foles steps back in. They go on a run, and they are, uh, you know, a matter of minutes from potentially going to the NFC Championship game. So what sense does it make that, you know, it's not Carson's fault, that it's Doug's fault, that it's this person's fault, it's the offensive line, it's the receivers, it's this and that. And if we get Devontae Smith and everything's fixed, like that line of thinking that you get a receiver and everything's fixed, that is delusional. It's just delusional. 
And this thought process that the Eagles have in the organization and that we have, many people in this city have, about Carson Wentz is just mind-boggling. It's like people didn't watch the same season that I just watched. Quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks, don't go from being what Carson Wentz was, which was MVP caliber three years ago, to maybe above average to average the last two years, to going to the worst quarterback in the NFL. Quarterbacks like that don't regress to being the worst quarterback in the NFL. It doesn't happen. No quarterback with Carson Wentz's, you know, I I guess, reputation has ever had a season as bad as he had last year. You can blame the coaches. You can blame everything else. And, hey, that's what the Eagles organization decided to do. And hopefully they're right. I When I watched those games, I saw a quarterback that was dragging everybody else down. I saw a quarterback that was making his coaching staff look bad. A quarterback that was making his young receivers look worse. A quarterback that was making his offensive line look bad. And I don't think that is likely to change. And the Eagles better be damn sure about it. They better be damn sure that Nick Sirianni is going to be able to come in here and get the most out of Carson Wentz. Um, because hiring, making a hire off of what's best for one player is just, it's, it's, not, it's not a good organization to do. It's not. You do what's best for the football team. But the Eagles, as always, are focused on what's best for Carson. Let's go to Tom and Delram. What's up, Tom? Yeah, hello? Yo, what's up, Tom? Yeah, hi Tom. How you doing? Good. I just have, want to make a couple quick points, and then I want you know I want your take on it. Um, a couple years ago, my brother he works down uh, Citizen Bank Park, and someone told him, and it's funny because somebody came up to him because you know we talk about football, and somebody told him one time they said he told me that he said Carson Wentz is a very powerful man in that organization. And when my brother told me that, I laughed at him. I said, oh, you're crazy. I said, what are you talking about? Now, this was a couple of years ago. He said, Carson Wentz goes to Lori, and he's a very powerful man in the Eagles organization. And at the time, I laughed it off. Now, in Lori's press conference, he says, if you listen to it, he says, I want to get Carson back to that elite level of 2017. Mm-hmm. So basically, Lori for whatever reason, thinks that he's going to get this guy back to that level, which it's never going to happen. And the fans are buying all the Kool-Aid that Laurie talked about that day, that, you know, this guy's going to get back to this elite level. In spite of the fact that, like you said, the players don't like him. He's a North Dakota kid. He's not a really a, a – people are all from all different backgrounds, but they're different up there. And he he's just – his play – in the pocket, you could see that he's slow. He can't run. He can't run away from players anymore. His decision making's poor. If, like you were saying, Tom, you watch the games like I do, you know, like you watch Josh Allen, how he improved over the last couple years with the Bills, and he actually had a coach help him with his mechanics. Carson Wentz, he's just a spoiled baby. Got the coach fired. 
everything's for him because of the contract. And the Eagles are going to be a losing organization for many years because if you're dependent on Carson Wentz, you it's it's a joke because yeah. you're never going to win. No, Tom, and and you know what? When I talk about Carson, like I'm not absolving Doug and the coaching staff altogether. Like they played a role too, and everybody played a role, but you know. I feel like uh, we've become so conditioned over the years to make excuses for Carson Wentz that uh, it's just what people default to doing when, you know, like you said, you watch the games, like there is no argument that he did anything well last year. Like none. He did. He made, like you said, he made poor decisions and what people are just choosing to ignore more than anything is physically. It's clear. He's just not the same player. He's not the same player. He's not the same. He don't have the athletic ability you know, you could see it. You could actually see it. And then his throws are never on target. They're either too high, too low. His accuracy is very poor. Even when, like, like when, when Rager or one of those receivers gets open, he misses him. You know, he don't make the play. And for, for the amount of money that he's getting paid, he's paid to make those throws. He, you're supposed to make those throws as a quarterback. You've got to be accurate. And, you know, people bring up, like, Aaron Rodgers and all. That's what, it's a joke because he he's not even in the same class as those guys, no. Rodgers and Mahomes. He's not in that class, and he never will be. He's average at best. And, and twenty, like you said, 2017, people keep bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. When Nick Foles was the quarterback, the year he had, what was it? He had 26 touchdowns and two interceptions. He broke the record. He threw seven touchdowns in one game, and then they pulled him. How come nobody talks about Nick Foles' 26 touchdowns and two interceptions? Because it was right. just that one year. You know, he had that one magical year, and that was it. No, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right, Tom, and I appreciate the call, man. That A lot of quarterbacks have a great year. Like, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the way Carson Wentz played in 2017. He was great in 2017. 2017 is also a really long time ago. Like, and, you know, you can look back on 2017 as much as you want. But what about the what we've seen recently? What about the last three years? Because, you know, you can twist the stats around as much as you want to. And people have actually pointed to, well, statistically, his stats in 2018 were better in 2017. If you think Carson Wentz played better in 2018 than 2017, you don't know what you're looking at. Like, you just don't know what you're what you're watching. 2018 and 2019, Carson Wentz was an average to slightly above average quarterback. That's what he was. Last year, he was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. You want to make that about coaching. You want to make that about everything else and absolve Carson completely. Fine. I mean, go ahead. Um... I I hold a quarterback making thirty million dollars to a higher standard than that. And when the Eagles have, and when you have all the other stuff involved too, where it's not just the performance on the field, but the reports that there are reports that he's just a bad guy in the locker room, essentially, that he refuses to be coached. That he's sabotaging the coach by changing plays at the line of scrimmage for no reason. Like, how is this stuff continually defended and excused? And if you're Carson Wentz right now, how do you not come away from the last couple weeks 
feeling even more empowered and feeling like I can do whatever the hell I want. I can get coaches fired. I can be a bad teammate. I can leak reports to the media. I can do whatever the hell I want. And there will be no consequences. I'll just continue to be given more power. Because Jeffrey Lurie loves me. And that's all that really matters. And it's just a continuation of what we have seen for years with this organization. And it all goes back to, in the end, the fact that they can't shake 2017. And they refuse to put 2017 in the rear view. As much as they say this is about looking forward and this is about the long term, all the Eagles organization ever does is look back. And they look back at that year. And they see what Carson Wentz was that year. And they are doing, they are desperate to get that player back. Carson Wentz might get better than last year. He's got to be better than last year. But that player's never returning. Physically, he's not the same anymore. And part of the looking back at 2017, that, you know, the Eagles can't shake is the Frank Reich fact. And they have bought in to this idea that Frank Reich was a big part of Carson Wentz's success, which I just don't believe to be true. I think the Frank Reich thing is so overrated. But the Eagles have obviously come to believe it. And when we get back, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that and the kind of idolizing of Frank Reich that has gone on in this city and within the Novacare complex as well. 215-592-9494. Open lines right now. A little surprised. Um, I thought we'd get more uh, people wanting to talk about the Eagles' new hire, uh, but if you get in now, you will be up next. Uh, so love you to join me on this Sunday morning. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, Discussing the Eagles' hire of Nick Sirianni as uh, the team's new head coach, which we'll continue to do over the next couple nights. Be back on as usual tomorrow and Monday. But, um, you know, surprising hire and one that, that, again, um, I don't know Nick Sirianni. I hope he's a good head coach. But, I, what I do know is the process was flawed, and I, I just find it crazy that anybody cannot see this as about Carson Wentz. Like, I mean, if you don't see it that way, you're just being willfully ignorant. Like, that, you don't want to believe it, but that's exactly what's happening. And it's, it's consistent with everything that's gone on over the past few years in this, in this organization, where... It's all about Carson Wentz. And, uh, you know, when Joe Sanliquito wrote it in 2018, uh, somebody anonymously said that there's a problem within this organization where people, you know, the higher-ups, the the front office, views it as the Philadelphia Carsons and not the Philadelphia Eagles or something to that effect. We laughed at it because it was, like, kind of a funny line, but it turned out to be the absolute truth, is everything is about what can we do for Carson? Just like in the Jeff McClain piece, where he says, 
Carson Wentz views everybody around him as if they work for him. Like, you're working for him. You're not working with Carson Wentz. You're working for Carson Wentz. And honestly, how could he see it any other way when the organization does what they do and they act the way they act and they treat Carson the way that they treat him? And they, 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 they are so careful. Everything they do. Is Carson going to approve of this? To the point where Doug Peterson wasn't even allowed to come out and compliment his rookie quarterback the day after he wins the first game uh, of his career because they're, well, it might upset Carson. You know, I'm sure they told Doug right after that game and the next day, you don't be too supportive of Jalen because it could hurt Carson's feelings. And we got to make sure that we're very careful about the way we treat Carson. It's a friggin' joke, man. It is ridiculous. And, you know, the Eagles got rid of Doug. You know, you think whatever you want about that. The more time goes by, the more I realize that was just a mistake, a massive mistake. But another thing that has bothered me so much is what is with this idolization of Frank Reich? Like, what is going on in this organization? where they think Frank Reich is God's gift to football. Because it is beyond ridiculous. Like, what is so impressive about Frank Reich's history, Frank Reich's track record as a head coach, to make you think, oh, we need to do everything to to, to get whatever they're doing in Indianapolis. Because that's exactly what all this was about. And um, we'll play the full interview for you later. But Danny Woodhead, former NFL running back, um, was uh, – played under both, I believe, Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni in San Diego. I think Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator and Nick Sirianni was the wide receivers coach. But here's Danny Woodhead on Nick Sirianni being kind of a young Frank Reich. Why should you guys be excited? Well, I personally think Doug Peterson was a great coach. Did he get moved out? Yeah, he did. Um, But if if we look at, let's be honest, the year that Carson had his last, like, really good year, the offensive coordinator slash, I mean, he didn't call plays, but was Frank Reich. Well, Nick Sirianni's, what I see him is, I mean, he's he's worked with Frank for however long, so he's, he's more of a younger Frank Reich. Maybe different personalities, but as far as knowing the game, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities and with working with the quarterbacks. So, I mean, for anybody who doesn't think this, this hire is about Carson Wentz, I mean, there it is right there. I mean, uh, how many times have we heard, well, Carson loves Frank Reich. Frank Reich was the guy who got the most out of him. Frank Reich's the guy he liked to work with the most. So they go get a young Frank Reich, and you're going to tell me that has nothing to do with Carson Wentz? <laughs> get out of here. Of course it does. It has everything to do with that. Here's more. Here's Ian Rappaport talking about the Eagles thinking here in this hire. What it seemed the Philadelphia Eagles did was bring Indianapolis to him. They don't get Frank Reich, someone who obviously had a close relationship and worked very well with Carson Wentz, but they get Frank Reich's top hey. lieutenant, top developer of quarterbacks in Nick Sirianni. It is going to be Sirianni who is now charged with fixing this quarterback position. Hard to imagine a more challenging quarterback situation in the NFL because you have Carson Wentz and you have Jalen Hurts, and uh, everything could happen as far as it relates to both of those guys. But the Eagles have identified their guy who they believe is going to get it done. And what I don't get here is what is so what has Frank Reich done in Indianapolis that's been so impressive? Like, seriously, what has he done that is is so impressive that the Eagles 
you know, give him this amount of credit. He has the exact same resume Doug Peterson has. Exact same in the last three years. They've both been to the playoffs twice. They've both won one playoff game. The only difference was when Doug got into the second round two years ago against Indianapolis, he actually, or, or I mean against New Orleans, he actually had a chance to win that game. Frank Reich, with a better quarterback, went into Kansas City with Andrew Luck, and they got blown out. Um, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what is so impressive about what Frank Reich has done that the Eagles – feel like they need to mimic everything he's doing in Indianapolis. He didn't call plays for the Eagles in 2017. That was the guy who just fired Doug Peterson. Um, His teams have done very little, made the playoffs two out of three years. He's one and two in the postseason. Coached a bad game this past postseason. Uh, it's, it's, It's part of the reason the Colts lost that game. Yet somehow the Eagles idolize him and the Eagles think Frank Reich is like God's gift to football and I just don't I I am baffled by it I'm baffled by all of it and it all goes back to Carson it all goes back to well Carson likes Frank Reich let's get the closest thing to Frank Reich but this is and I brought this up the other night as far as why this makes no sense so part of the reason the Eagles fired Doug is that they think Frank Reich was such a genius that he made Doug look better than he actually was. Well, then why wouldn't that be the case for Nick Sirianni? If Frank Reich is this is this genius, then how is Nick Sirianni not just you know succeeding off of Frank Reich's genius? It just it, it's just delusion. It makes no sense. And maybe the guy is a good coach. I'll give him a chance. Um, he deserves an opportunity to win us over in this town. But if you think for a second that this hire isn't all about Carson Wentz. You're just being ignorant. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Steve in South Philly. What's up, Steve? Hey, what's going on, man? How's it going? Pretty good. Like, uh, the frustrating part to me about all of this is, um, and I've called, you know, this station during different day parts, and sometimes they're just so hardcore about, uh, you know, well, it's not so much Wentz, it's the coaching, it's this, it's that. And I'm sitting there like, okay, d- how blind would you have to be to see if you just didn't watch in the last couple of years? With, and this is without having any knowledge of anything that's actually happening in the locker room or in the office, because none of us don't know what's really happening. But if you're just watching, watch a game, how many times do you hear, kill, 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 kill? Right. Not just this year. Last year, too, and then it's like at the end of each game uh, that's a loss, and minus the, you know, the four weak wins we got at the end of last year that everybody was raving about, I'm like, we beat four lames and got into the playoffs. Seriously? You excited about that? Um, well, people, Steve, people acted like Carson Wentz just, just completed like the most Im- impressive murderer's row in NFL history. That, but that's so, what made me laugh. I mean, was I excited to get into the playoffs? Of course, but I also knew we didn't beat it. Those four, the, whatever. So anyway, back to my main point. What I found interesting was after every game, it's the same thing. Dude goes to the podium, and he'll get questions. And this is my issue. It's like it's not so much you, you bucking up against the coach. 
But even if a press person asks you a question, like, whatever, well, pretty much I'm going to watch the film, but I'm not going to change anything. And the fact that I know for, that I have actually seen him on television at least 15 times saying I'm not going to change anything, that says that speaks volumes to me. Right, and, and Steve, why should he? Because the organization has empowered him to the point where they tell him he can do whatever he wants, so he doesn't think he has to change anything. Yeah, and then, and then here's the part that everybody doesn't want to believe when the whole thing was coming out that he's not being coachable. It's like it's the same thing that they were saying about uh, an Aaron Rodgers or even at one point in time, people forget. They were saying that about Peyton Manning because you think about it, everybody's always going to say Peyton Manning, he's such a great quarterback. How many Super Bowls did they win at the Colts? One. He's got the same amount of rings as Nick Foles when he was in the Indianapolis. And it's because he changed a lot of plays. The coaches would call stuff. He was doing whatever he wanted to do, same way Aaron Rodgers does. So my whole thing is, if you're going to do that, at least deliver that many kind of wins. Right. We don't, we're not getting wins like that for him to just be overruling everybody down here. That's crazy. No. <laughs> I mean, you got you got to produce, Steve. And, and you know, the, the fact that they have just allowed this and they continue to allow it and now just empower him more like <laughs> – if, if Carson didn't respect Doug, a Super Bowl-winning coach uh, in this city who had the track record Doug did, why do they think he's going to respect Nick Sirianni just because he's Frank Reich's friend? It's it's crazy. Well, here's the worst part, and this is uh, – and I have brought this up, <laughs> to, like I said, to other day parts on this station. Do not think that that whole NFL top 100 thing – don't think that doesn't mean anything because it's like that's other players and coaches – in the league voting. And a lot of times it's off of what they see and what they hear from their other friends at other teams. Yeah. And it's like, how did this dude not make it at all on the whole, like, like you have no respect in the whole league. So what, are, what kind of stories are floating around about him to other players at other teams? They like, man, screw that dude. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and here's another one for you. The players I'm getting tired of. Have you, you've heard the term fake friends before. Yeah. A lot of times people will say stuff about Carson. You'll see a couple of these players jump up. Don't talk about Carson. He's my friend. He's this. He's that. I'm going to tell you something right now, and I was fighting anybody in the alley that, that argues against this. If somebody took a cheap shot on, <laughs> like, yeah. Lamar, or even if they tried that in Kansas City, you know, like a cheap shot, like the kind that Carson got. Oh, it's going to be all kind yeah. of rumbling on no, the field. I got you, Steve. I appreciate it. Sorry, Steve. I got to hit the break here. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I got to hit the break. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, Carson Wentz, people say, oh, well, look at him at press conference. He's just this nice, all shucks guy. Yeah, that's what he shows the public. Doesn't mean that's the way he is. I don't know him. But there's plenty of reporting to say he's not a good teammate. And I think at this point, it's time to start taking that seriously. 215-592-9494. Mike in South Philly, Ralph. Get with you guys in the next segment. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Sunday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. We'll obviously continue to talk about um, the Nick Sirianni hire over the next few days here and what it means. And, you know, it, it it seems like 
uh, Jeffrey Lurie certainly has a, a type of guy he likes to hire. He likes to go for the first-time head coach, young guy, kind of unheard of. Um, and typically, you know, I don't think that's a horrible template to have. Um, but this is not the same situation as, like, the Andy Reid hire. This was doing what was best for one player, not what was doing, not not doing what was best for the football team, and it's just speaks to the dysfunction in this organization. It speaks to the dysfunction. It speaks to the coddling, and anybody that thinks the coddling of Carson Wentz is going to end, like Carson Wentz has more power now than he's ever had. I, if he sees that he can act the way he acted, like think about rewarding a guy for going up sabotaging the coach, calling plays just because he didn't want to run them, playing as poorly as he did, and he comes out of the season, and instead of the organization putting him in his place, they, they, they allow him to basically get the coach fired and bring in a guy who is the assistant to the only coach Carson Wentz does seem to respect. Why would Carson Wentz respect Nick Sirianni? Why would Carson Wentz not think, I do whatever the hell I want? They're never going to hold me accountable for anything. I can do whatever I want. I can get away with whatever I feel like getting away with, and nobody is ever going to hold me accountable. And I don't know how he wouldn't view it that exact way. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? Yeah, how's it going, Tom? What's happening, Mike? Yeah, I'm a, I find it humorous. I knew you were going to get all fired up about this. <laughs> well, I mean, Mike, it's just – I mean, it's – we talked about it on Thursday morning. It's it's ridiculous. And I don't know if, if Sirianni's going to be a good coach, but anybody who doesn't think this is about Carson Wentz is delusional. You're right. And you know what's funny? Like, they Doug Peter, they wanted to fire Frank Reich in 2016. Yeah. And Doug Peterson's the one who saved them. <laughs> yeah. They, and now, now they're obsessed with them, and then they fired Doug Peterson. Yeah, like, Mike, but, I like, what What am I missing? What has Frank Reich done in Indianapolis over the last three years that's been so incredibly impressive? His offenses have never finished higher than 10th. Um, he had, for one of those seasons, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the last decade in Andrew Luck. Phillip Rivers last year, still, right. you know, playing at a pretty high level. The only year he didn't have a good quarterback, he had Jacoby Brissett, and he was average, and they, they were – basically an average team what am i missing with frank reich that he is this genius that that we just need to get a piece of yeah i mean i think he's a good coach and he has good schemes but like you said i I mean carson wentz is probably a huge factor and that's a huge mistake i've always said even though like i had guys like joe brady and mcdaniels higher than somebody like sirianni i've always said that if the process in making that hire was we're fixing Carson and not we just think this guy has a great scheme, we think this guy's going to be a great coach, I think that's part of that too. But if they prioritize, like, for example, I don't think Sirianni would have gotten the job if he said, i, I, I got to be honest with you guys, I'm not a big fan of Carson Wentz. Oh, no. No, Mike. The and report- if that's the priority, then, then the, the whole process is, is, is bleep backwards. It was being reported, Mike, that they wanted a coach who, who wanted Carson Wentz. Like, that pretty much any coach that, that said they didn't really want Carson wasn't, wasn't going to get this job. It, it's, it's crazy to me. And you know what the thing is, too? Like, if they think they're getting Carson Wentz of 2017 back, they're just totally delusional. Because, look, like, everybody views things from a different perspective. Now, this is just me, and I'm not saying this is the right way. It's just how I view things. I, you know, I've always viewed things from, does this get us closer to a championship or not? I don't, I don't usually like to look 
in the uh, the micro. I, I like to look at the on the macro scale, and um, and to me, every move it's like, does this bring us closer to a championship? And if not, immediately, so at some point down the line. And I just think that like when you look at Carson Wentz and you look at where he is in his career, like forget about 2020, like he was awful. Even if Carson Wentz, even if they got him back to a 2019 level, they're not winning a Super Bowl 2019 Carson Wentz. He was bad for almost half the year, and he had one great month. So, like, if fixing Carson Wentz to them is getting 2019 back Carson Wentz, like, you're making all these moves just to get that guy back? Yeah, like, he wasn't him, that great. And to pay him $30 million. Like, yeah, he wasn't, yeah, it's not like we're resurrecting, like, Aaron Rodgers in his prime here. Right. Like, it's like if they're resurrecting to the, if all this, all this maneuvering, all this uh, um, coddling, all this pandering is to just get the guy from 2019 back, like, it's not worth it. He wasn't that great. Mike, they are looking and putting a 14-game sample over what? I mean, what? In, in 16 and 2016, 11 and 2018, that's 27. Played all 16 the next year, 43. And then this year, what, 11? So they're putting a 14-game sample size over like a 54, 55-game sample size. Like, what sense does that make? Yeah, it's insane. And, and I also think another aspect of this, too, is that not necessarily that they think they can bully Nick Sirianni, um, but like you know, I, I think they're taking. I think they're gonna. They like the fact that he's a first-time head coach. They like the fact that he didn't have any other, um, you know, opportunities to get a coaching job. And you know damn well that he, they had to approve his coaching selections during that interview, or he wasn't going to get the job. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and I don't like the fact that like you said, Carson Wentz has more power. So does Howie Roseman. Like this is a guy that. You know, we talked about for weeks leading up to the final week of the season, would he be fired? Does he deserve to be fired? It's, like, pretty much unanimous. Like, everybody in Philly, even, like, you know, the most objective, the most, like, level-headed, like, beat reporters have turned on Howie Roseman. Like, they're being mocked. I mean, he's being mocked by the Jeff McClain's of the world, and even Ruben Frank was like, this guy's got to go. And then all of a sudden, he ends up with more power? Like, how is that possible? Like, what is going on in this organization? I don't understand how, like, how insane it's gotten. No, Jeffrey Lurie, Jeffrey Lurie trusts the wrong people, Mike. And in this instance, I'm blaming him more than, than Howie. I, uh, you know, I think Howie did want to stay with Doug, and I think staying with Doug, you know, would have been the right way to go. I mean, uh, you know, and I think Doug deserved the opportunity to be empowered and, and um, you know, moving on in, in that direction. But, yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie does not trust the people he should trust. And in the end, I don't think it is that much about Howie. I think it's 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 about Carson. Jeffrey Lurie trusts Carson more than he trusts Howie. Carson Wentz has more power in the organization than Howie does. And to empower a player to this degree, and like you said, not an Aaron Rodgers, not a Tom Brady, a guy that had one partially good season is just insane to me. Well, I'll, I'll disagree slightly. I agree with your overall plan. I'll disagree slightly. I think the reason that they didn't sign, sign McDaniels, I think part of it was that Carson Wentz got along with Reich and, uh, and Sirianni is a, a, a Reich disciple. But also I think the reason that they didn't hire McDaniels was because Lurie was afraid that he would clash with Howie and he's, and he's saving Howie's skin. Yeah, like, well, I think I think in general, and, and maybe there's part of that. I think Lori, I think it was more him just being scarred by the chip thing. But hey, those things go hand in hand. So right. And did you like? And speaking of Doug, did you read McLean's piece from from? Uh, uh, I saw your yeah. I I did read uh, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It. I'm, I'm rethinking the whole thing. 
Like, if, if, if his information is accurate, and Jeff McClain, you know, I know a lot of people have, have issues with the stuff. They think he's overly critical, and they think he has an agenda. I mean, he might have an axe to grind with some people in the organization, but I think his information is usually pretty good. If you read his piece, and if anybody out there hasn't read it, go read it. Basically, what I got out of that, it, assuming his information is correct, is that the Eagles never wanted Doug Peterson, and they never liked him. Like, I mean, there's some very damning stuff in there. Like, for example, one of the things that he had in the com is in their very first interview when he was interviewing to become the Eagles head coach, they were so turned off by the list of coaches that he gave that they were second-guessing him, and he wasn't even their first candidate to begin with. Yeah. And then – go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, Mike, yeah, Doug's been, Doug's been fighting an uphill battle here all five years, even after winning a Super Bowl. It's crazy to me. Yeah, and then, and then there's another part where it says something like uh, – they didn't. They weren't. You know, he didn't fit all the criteria that they liked in a coach. They liked somebody who has a high football IQ. They looked so, like like so. Basically, they didn't think he had a high football IQ. So it's like, well, why did you hire this guy in the first place? And what what I'm getting at is, you know, we're criticizing the process and hiring Sirianni. They just showed you that they would hire a coach that they don't even really like just because. Just because. You know the reason. Nobody really wanted the job. Remember, who turned him down? Adam Gase turned him down. Who else? Ben McAdoo turned him down. All of a sudden, five years later, where are the Eagles? Guess who turned him down? Arthur Smith, Robert Sala, Lincoln Riley. In the last two Eagles coaching searches, they had their top candidates turn them down. Now, granted, they got lucky and they won a Super Bowl, but it's still not a good look to have all, these, all your top guys turn you down. And we're here again, and the Eagles were forced to settle on somebody who was like their, I don't know, what, what probably their fourth or fifth choice once again. Like, this organization has turned into a destination where everybody wants to come to now where they're just turned, being turned down by people left and right. Like, they, they become a laughing stock. No, I'm, I'm with you, Mike, and I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Thanks. And, yeah, I'm going to get more to that McLean story uh, tomorrow because there's a lot of stuff in there. But it's true. And, <laughs> by the way, that should tell you what people around the NFL think of Carson Wentz. When you have Robert Sala choosing the Jets job, you have Arthur Smith choosing the Atlanta job. The Atlanta Falcons are a terrible organization with an old quarterback. And he wanted that job over the Eagles job. What does that tell you about how your organization is viewed and how your, your, your quarterback is viewed? Because a quarterback is a big part of why these head coaches take certain jobs, especially in the case of a guy like Arthur Smith. This is an offensive coach. You know, if he saw something in Carson Wentz, you'd think he would have relished taking the Eagles' job. Instead, he wanted to go to Atlanta to 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 coach a, a an old beat up Matt Ryan. Yet the peop- the Eagles cannot let go of 2017. And Mike brought the thing up about Doug. And, you know, uh, as I said, we'll get more into it tomorrow. I got to read the entire story. I only saw a couple uh, snippets from it. But basically, you know, the Eagles didn't really want to hire Doug in 2016. They were thinking of firing him after 2017 if that season didn't go well. And they never trusted Doug. And Doug Peterson has always been fighting an uphill battle in Philadelphia. Despite winning a Super Bowl. Despite out coaching the greatest coach of all time in the Super Bowl, despite rallying his team to go to the playoffs three consecutive years, two of which with a backup quarterback, and they never 
gave him his credit. They never respected Doug Peterson. And honestly, it's probably better for Doug to be out. You know, and he can go back this year and he can sit back and he can recharge and go somewhere else and succeed. And I bet you he will. Doug Peterson, we have not heard the last from him. He will be a head coach again and he will succeed somewhere. But, you know, the the, the fact that the Eagles chose Carson over Doug is just so misguided and so disrespectful and and it it's it's just operating under a delusion that they are so desperate to return Carson Wentz to the level he played at for 14 out of his 60 games as an NFL quarterback 65 games however many games he's played and the evidence is so overwhelmingly slanted in the other side that he's just not that good of a player. And that year, that was the aberration. And just because you bring in Frank Reich's assistant doesn't mean that he's going to get back to being that player. Um, And unfortunately, that's the way the Eagles decided to make this hire. Hopefully they looked into a good coach um, because Nick Sirianni could be a good coach. But I'll tell you uh, for a fact, the way he was hired, the reason he was hired, it's not the way good organizations go about hiring people. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, um, and open lines right now, you'll be next if you do chime in. But when we get back, I do want to talk about this from the perspective of Deuce Staley. Because this... You know, I feel like of all the people who were treated unfairly here and all the people who were disrespected here, Deuce Staley was disrespected more than anybody. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Sunday morning. If you want to get in 215 592 9494 is how you join the show. In the next segment, uh, Dan Wilson and I will look at the championship games. What great matchups these are on Sunday. Uh, This is going to be a fun day of football. Um, So we'll look at those in the next segment. Uh, Just looking at Twitter, um, I missed missed it here at the station, but Conor McGregor got knocked out. A big upset in UFC. Are you a UFC guy at all, Dan? I'm not really a UFC guy, but it's second round, right? Like, yeah, I know enough that I know McGregor. That's not supposed to happen to Conor McGregor. He was and I a know heavy favorite. Heavy time. favorite, and like I, he had a big fight a few years ago. Like when I was in college, you know, we'd get pre-COVID, of course, we'd get together in someone's house and watch it or whatever. I would never pay for a fight myself, but you know, it's a nice event and that kind of sport because it's an individual thing. You always latch on to like the one guy. Like McGregor seems like appointment television, and no, he did not fare well tonight. Like I saw the video online. Yeah, no, it was it, it was ugly, and he yeah he looks like he's done. He got he he got knocked out by Khabib a couple years ago, and then uh, I don't know how many times he's fought since then, but yeah, he got knocked out. I went through a phase this summer where I was big UFC guy. You're all in on McGregor. Well, it was but no, not McGregor, just, just UFC, UFC in general. Yeah, um, At, the thing that I find it crazy is that they're doing it on this fight island in Abu Dhabi or whatever it is. It's ten o'clock in the morning when they're fighting. Yeah. 
like just to cater to a US TV audience. But could you imagine like getting the lights are dim, it looks like a late night Vegas setting, but you're getting all amped up at like nine thirty in the morning to go fight someone? Yeah. I it mean, doesn't seem right, but they gotta do it. Yep, you gotta do it differently to get those those ratings. So yeah, Conor McGregor uh, knocked out on uh, Saturday night. Uh, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 as we're discussing the Eagles' uh, new head coach, Nick Sirianni. And, uh, you know, when I last was on the air Thursday morning, uh, Nick Sirianni seemed like he had maybe an outside shot. I don't think anybody really thought he had um, a great opportunity of getting this job uh, at that point, it looked like it was down to Josh McDaniels and Deuce Staley. And you know, that those were kind of the two uh, final contenders where you looked at Josh McDaniels and there were things that the Eagles liked, uh, whether it be, you know, his tie to the new England Patriots. We know Jeffrey Lurie grew up Patriots fan. He loves that organization uh, kind of idolizes that organization in a way. Um, and they were intrigued by some of the things Josh McDaniels um, had done. Now, I did not want Josh McDaniels here. I thought that would have been a disaster in the making. Um, I would be very hesitant, first of all, of giving any Bill Belichick assistant a head coaching job, considering they have all failed miserably. The only one that's had really any level of success, I mean, I guess you could say Flores in Miami, and they haven't even made the playoffs yet, uh, but they've all failed, every single one of them. Um, probably the most successful been Bill O'Brien in Houston. You saw how that ended. So I didn't like that idea with what happened with the Indianapolis situation a couple of years ago, what happened in Denver, uh, and the reporting coming out of it. He had Chip Kelly 2.0 written all over me. Like, that's what I thought Josh McDaniels would have been. A guy that can't connect with players, guy that can't connect with coaches, uh, and, you know, I, I also didn't know how great of an offensive mind he really was considering he had worked the majority of his career with the greatest quarterback in the history of football. So I didn't think that was a, a good idea to go that route. And I had really come around on the idea of the Eagles promoting Deuce Staley, who has been here for over 20 years now, whether it be as a player or a coach. Briefly left, I believe, to go play for the Steelers in 05, um, but played the majority of his career here, came back as a coach, and stayed on through multiple regimes. You don't see happen with Deuce Staley what has happened, where gets hired under Andy Reid, stays around under Chip, Stays around again over Doug Peterson and uh, gets promoted to assistant head coach, which was his role, I believe, the last two seasons. And, you know, you, you saw throughout the last few days the reports about players texting Jeffrey Ward and former players tweeting about Deuce's standing within the organization. And Deuce is standing in that locker room. And the support, the overwhelming support amongst current players and former players that Deuce Staley should be seriously considered for this opportunity. And this is a situation where, you know, 
I don't think all the time you should listen to your players, but this is a situation where I think Jeffrey Lurie would have been very well served listening to his players. When you're coming off a year like the Eagles are coming off of, and you are dealing with all this locker room stuff that you're dealing with, Deuce Staley, I feel like, was a guy who these players could rally around. You know, uh, according to the reports, he was impressive in his interview. He brought to the table suggestions for his coaching staff, um, guys from the pros, guys from college, who he would look to bring in. Yet the Eagles passed him over again. And I think we can pretty much all agree at this point, it's time for Deuce to move on for his own good. The fact that he is now interviewed for this job four times. Interviewed when the Eagles hired Chip, interviewed when the Eagles hired Doug, um, and interviewed again this time. And every time, the Eagles have passed him over. And I, uh, you know, and this time specifically has to bother him, considering they've known Deuce for two decades. They knew Nick Sirianni for a few hours. And in the end, Frank Reich's recommendation meant more to them than Deuce Staley's track record in this city. And a lot of it came down to Carson Wentz. But, you know, um, I, I, a lot of it, I, I guess, came down to Deuce's lack of experience in play calling his lack of experience in game planning, I don't know, because he seems to me to have all of the intangibles that you would want. He's a leader. He's popular amongst the players. He's popular amongst his other coaches. He's popular um, within the organization. Is well-respected. And, you know, you can't ignore the elephant in the room here, where as the NFL has increasingly put a an emphasis on teams interviewing minority candidates. Once again, we go through another coaching cycle where very few minority candidates are hired. And very few minority candidates are even interviewed. Eric Bieniemy, a guy who has been a hot name for a head coach for years, still doesn't get a job. Deuce Staley doesn't get a job. Meanwhile, Nick Sirianni kind of jumps to the front of the line. And I'm not telling you that the Eagles made the wrong hire. I mean, time will tell if they made the wrong hire. But Deuce Staley was qualified for this job. And anybody that makes that argument that Deuce Staley was somehow not qualified to, to get this job is just not seeing things clearly. And, you know, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN is a guy I disagree with on a lot of things. Um, And we'll get to his comments tomorrow night about Carson Wentz because, you know, Dan Orlovsky's the biggest Carson Wentz cheerleader in uh, the United States and in the national media, and he's in Carson's back pocket. We all know that. Um, But Dan Orlovsky, I thought, had some very interesting things to say in terms of the NFL and their hiring practices. Here he was on NFL Live earlier this week. I couldn't imagine what it feels like to work for years and years and years for something that, one, is a passion of mine, but then, two, is the optimal way for me to support my family. 
And that support really levels off the starting point for my kids, only to know that the work doesn't matter. The results don't matter. The character and how I do it doesn't matter. Now, because me, Dan Orlovsky, personally, I knew long ago, and I experienced it, and I still do now, that if I, the white guy, work really hard and have really good results, and the character that I do it in is at the highest level, I'm going to climb. I will elevate. That's not right. That's not okay. And so it's not just what's the answer. Like, this is the NFL. This is our NFL. This is our NFL. We all have a hand in this. We all have to hold the owners accountable to make sure that the internal thought process that the black and the minority head coaching candidates have no longer is a reality for them. And it's true. You just look at the evidence. You know, I know people don't want to don't want to say it, but you look at the evidence. Um, when you continue to go year in, year out, and minority candidates who are qualified for these jobs aren't getting these jobs, it, 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 you have to pay attention to it. And look no further than Detroit, where they hire Dan Campbell for their head coaching position. And this guy was a tight ends coach for Sean Payton in New Orleans. Had a stint as an interim head coach in Miami five years ago where he had an under 500 record. And just listen to Dan Campbell, who got a six-year deal from the Detroit Lions. And tell me if this is a guy who sounds like to you he's qualified to be an NFL head coach. This place has been kicked, it's been battered, it's been bruised, and I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't, that, uh, none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that shit, so excuse my language. All right, here's what I do know, is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city, all right, and this city's been, been down, and it found a way to get up. All right, it's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right, and so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right, and, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before. Before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right? That's going to be the mentality. I mean, what the hell was that? What the hell was that, Dan? It kind of, you know what it kind of reminded me of? It was a little Gabe Kapler-esque. Like, just a little oh, bit. no, 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 no. That's way, that's way too graphic. for. It, it was too graphic for Kapler, but almost because, like, he got way too in-depth and no one really knows what he's talking about in his opening. Like, you remember Kapler's first presser? I forget. I'm going to have to find the video. Like, no one really knew what he was talking about. He was talking about how well-equipped and prepared they would be and how the team was going to come out and, you know, really throw the first punch and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't that graphic. Yeah, but that's different than this guy talking about biting Oh, no, this, I think this guy's psycho. Sanity. Like, I think he's a legitimate psycho. Yeah. But, no, so, you know, I don't think Gabe Kapler's a psycho, but it reminds just because he's weird and feels like he was trying way too hard to make a first impression, and he just sounds like an idiot. Yeah, and, uh, you know— I just look at it and, and like, how can you be Eric Bieniemy or Deuce Staley, who is well qualified for these jobs, um, has a track record of success doing your job, and a guy like Dan Campbell Campbell jumps to the top to the front of the line? 
it's just, it's insane. Like, this guy's a meathead with no qualifications for that job. I mean, was an interim coach a few years ago, failed. Was the tight ends coach for a, an offensive head coach where, you know, he had no say over game plan, no say over play calling. Yet he jumps to the front of the line and gets a six-year deal with the Detroit Lions? Like, I don't know how you can look at that and not see uh, an inequality there. And, you know, the NFL is, I guess, trying to do the right things in this regard. But when you see year in, year out, this stuff continue to happen, it is a problem. That for some reason, you know, minority candidates don't get the opportunities and have to prove more than, you know, than, than white candidates do. And I think Dan Campbell is the perfect example of a guy who has no right being a coach in this league and should not be jumping to the front of the line. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I'll touch on the Sixers real quick, and we will um, go through the championship games for Sunday. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, In the next hour here, I want to let you hear uh, some more qualified discussion on Nick Sirianni. Because as I've said, you know, to be, uh, and I'm being hard on the hire, and it's really nothing against Nick Sirianni. Um, I don't know much uh, about him, and I hope he's a good head coach. I just think the process of going about finding him was flawed. When you're looking for a head coach based on what's best for the quarterback, not what's best for the team, I don't think that normally ends well. But we got to get to know him, got to give him a chance. And in the next hour, I want you to hear a couple interviews. Um, uh, Jonathan Taylor, rookie running back from the Colts, joined Markson Reese. He talked about Nick Sirianni. Danny Woodhead, former NFL running back, played for Sirianni in San Diego, uh, talked about it as well. Um, so we, I'm going to let you hear those interviews in the next hour as we get to know them. And I'm looking forward to the press conference. I'm looking forward to see what kind of staff he puts together. Now, there are reports that a defensive coordinator, it looks like, is going to be hired. Jonathan Gannon, who was the defensive backs coach in Indianapolis, appears to be the guy. Again, another guy I don't know much about, but um, – Interested to see, you know, what he has to say this week. And obviously, of all the things Nick Sirianni has to address, uh, the most important one is the quarterback situation. And uh, we'll get into that more tomorrow on the show about how he handles this. Because I don't think you can just go into that locker room and just say Carson's the guy. That's not going to go well. Um, And that's a a situation where I think the Eagles really need to – be careful, and Nick Sirianni has to be careful in his first address that, you know, these players are going to be paying attention to how he handles that because uh, I think this has to be a competition between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. Um, but knowing this organization, uh, they'll probably just give give it to Carson because Carson's given ev- everything uh, that he wants. So we'll let you hear those interviews in the next hour. Uh, before we get to the picks here, I did want to just briefly mention the Sixers as they have two back-to-back wins this week um, over the Celtics. Then they beat the Pistons on Saturday night. Some encouraging signs. You know, Ben Simmons 
aggressive last night in the fourth quarter, Friday night in the fourth quarter, rather, seemed to carry it over into Saturday, and that's what the Sixers need him to do. They need to get to, need him to get to the line. They need him to be aggressive going to the basket. 10 for 12 from the line on, on Saturday night. That is the part of his game that I think he needs to improve the most, is getting to the line and making his free throws. Um, at least in this short, small sample size, seems to be doing that. So that's encouraging. Um, and the Sixers back in Detroit on Monday night. I do like these these two-game series that these teams are playing. I think even beyond this year, uh, when things get back to normal, I think that's something they should keep because I, I like the idea of seeing a team a couple nights in a row um, and you know, kind of developing a little more of a rivalry. Like that Boston game on Friday night uh, being the, the second of two games uh, with those two opponents, I thought uh, add a little more juice to it. So I, I've liked that in uh, – Sixers right now um, playing some pretty good basketball. So some encouraging signs there. But uh, we'll get to the championship games here as a heck of a day of football on tap for Sunday. Um, first, we'll start at 3 o'clock with the NFC game here. Uh, the Packers hosting the Buccaneers. And this is a matchup we've been waiting to see in the postseason for years. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, a number of times. They could have met in the Super Bowl. The two times it should have happened, 2011, when the Packers and Patriots were clearly the two best teams in the NFL. Packers got upset by the Giants that year. Um, then 2014, if the Packers don't botch an onside kick, they play in the Super Bowl that year. But finally, Brady and Rodgers in the NFC Championship. The line is three and a half here. Now, I think this is going to be a very tight game. And I have made it one of my golden rules not to bet against Tom Brady. But in this circumstance, I like the Packers to win this game in Lambeau Field. I think it's Aaron Rodgers' year to get finally get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2010. I'll take the Packers, but I don't know if I'd lay the three and a half. I'd be more inclined to, to um, at least buy it down to two and a half, maybe go money line here. Dan, how do you see this? I, I agree with you. I would go down to money line. I don't like that three and a half line just because I could see very well see them winning by a field goal. I agree with you. I think this is another Aaron Rodgers year. I think it's the year he gets back to the Super Bowl. I He's playing some of the best football of his entire career, quite frankly. Going to win the MVP. I think the Packers get the win at home in Lambeau. And again, I still can't believe his first home NFC Championship game that he started. That is crazy. That really is. It, it, it's the first time he's hosted one. But yeah, I'll go with the Packers. I'll say 27-20 here. Uh, it could be closer, but uh, man, that, that's going to be a great game. And, and I was talking about it with Al earlier this week. Uh, get your take on it, Dan. A even in this incredible career of Tom Brady, this would be, if not the most impressive, one of the most impressive wins of his career. To win tomorrow. To win this game. Later today at Lambeau. Yeah. It really would be. I think it's, look, the guy's got six Super Bowl wins, so everything's in context. But He's not the same star quarterback. Like, I think everyone could agree that Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback, like, now. If he gets a win in Lambeau against this team, I mean, it really, it's right up there with the rest of them. And it would also be the first time a team's playing a home Super Bowl. Again, I don't know how much it would have to do with the Bucs. They've had a pretty good defense this year. Again, they assembled a lot of offensive weapons around him. I don't know if I would say it's the most impressive, but it's up there for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll go with the Packers there. And then the second game, this is kind of the opposite, where you got two of the young 
uh, star quarterbacks with Josh Allen going up against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has been cleared. He will play after the concussion last week, but still dealing with a foot injury, I believe a toe injury, uh, that hampered him uh, for a lot of that game last week against the Browns. This one is really tough. Um, as much as, you know, Andy kind of got the monkey off his back last year, I still worry a little bit about Andy in a championship game just because the, the history is there of, of all, the, all the upsets and all the disappointments. But I, I can't bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. As much as I think the Bills really have a chance to win this game, and I think this is a scary matchup for the Chiefs. I think this is the one team in the AFC and maybe in the entire NFL the Chiefs did not want to see. Um, I'll take the Chiefs. I'll go 30-27, to 27, Kansas City. This is the game everyone's been waiting to see. We've been hearing all year that if any team could knock off KC, it would be the Bills. We're getting them in an AFC championship game at Arrowhead. I agree with you. I think the Chiefs pulled this one out. Not sure if I would bet the spread in this game either. Again, I think I would take the money line. We don't know how with the health of Patrick Mahomes is. You mentioned that he's got a lingering foot injury. Also, when he took that hit last week, I mean, he struggled to get up. I know he's playing. We hope he's playing for the right reason tomorrow. We know the NFL and the Chiefs obviously want him to play, so certainly something to keep an eye on. But assuming that he's at reasonably good health and strength, I think the Chiefs do pull this one out, but I think the Bills keep it close. Like I don't think they've played this entire season just to get blown out of the water tomorrow by the Chiefs. I think they're gonna. I think they belong to be on the stage, and I think they're gonna hang in there. But ultimately, the Chiefs win late. Yeah, I kind of see it the same way. Uh, but man, both these games are just gonna be phenomenal. I can't remember the last time we had two champions. Usually, games. so usually the stat is that you don't get two one-possession games. Usually one of them's bad and one of them's good. Well, two years ago, we got two great ones. That's true, but it, it's right. against the norm. And I guess statistically, that would be kind of true. Like, I, the year before that, the Eagles, I mean, we all enjoyed the Eagles win big, but for a national audience, that was a pretty bad game. Yeah. Lopsided. And I'm trying to think of other years where there's been two really close games. Usually, it doesn't happen, but we really could get it tomorrow. Yeah, so what I'm thinking here, I'm thinking... Moneyline parlay, Packers and Chiefs. That's what, that's I, what I do. I and are you willing to? Are we going to wait? Or because I'm ready to. I think the Packers are my Super Bowl pick. They have been from the beginning. Oh well, we can't pick now. We we, we, we got to wait and see what happens. I know. Well, absolutely, we're going to make. Yeah. It. I, I'm going to play off bracket pool, and I've been saying this for a few okay. weeks. I, I think this is a Rodgers year. Um, and look, that would be the ultimate marquee matchup in the NFL to brand that Rodgers and Mahomes build up for two weeks. Yeah, I think the only the only. St- matchup you get where you don't get a great storyline is probably Packers Bills like I love the idea of the Bills finally getting to the Super Bowl after all these years and the guy that they got to beat is the guy who's tortured them for two decades do you find yourself rooting for fan bases like the Bills like the Eagles finally have one and now the Bills kind of going through what we went through for years normally I would but I I I love Andy Reid, so I won't. I do too. It's kind of a no lose situation. I feel either Andy gets back or the Bills go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I kind of like all these teams, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. That's right. You're you're, you're great. You. Yeah, I like you're Tom Brady. I do like Brady. Uh, So yeah, so we'll we'll see how it all plays out uh, and talk about it uh, tomorrow um, as well. But next up, I want to let you hear Jonathan Taylor, uh, Colts rookie running back. He joined Marks and Reese on uh, Friday afternoon. Talk about his former. Offense coordinator Nick Sirianni. So that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 